Good morning, Mountain Park. My name is Don. Some of you know me as the holiday pastor, but I missed last weekend on the 4th of July weekend. So instead, just think of me as your, uh, your pandemic pastor, <laughs> at least for this week, as we continue in the series of lessons that we learned. Here's my big takeaway. Are you ready for this? Stay away from social media. <laughs> I mean, really. Is there anything more discouraging and dis depressing that just drags you into the dregs of the situation that we're in any more than all that you read and see and hear on social media? It's not good for you. Stay away from it. <laughs> As I say that, the irony is what I'm going to share today, actually I got some inspiration from social media of all places. One is a little saying that I read and didn't like it to begin with. In fact, truthfully, I thought it was pretty cheesy. It says basically this. Don't tell God how big your mountains are. Instead, tell your mountains how big your God is. Now, hopefully somebody in the last few weeks or months has mentioned to God about our mountains that we're facing. So that's not going to do any good for me to add to that. It's not going to do any good for me to go and yell at our mountains um, about my faith and about how God can take it, take care of it. I, I don't think that's going to help. What this has done, though, as it kind of just rings and rings and rings through my spirit and my soul, is to remind me to tell myself how big my God is. To get that message ingrained in my head, he's a big God, and he's in control, and he's got this, and he's working through it, and he's got a purpose even as he redeems it to make a difference in our lives. So today I just want to talk to you about how big is your God? What will help us with this is there's a, um, there's a favorite preacher of mine. He's my friend. He's my mentor. He's my brother-in-law. And he's not a stranger to a lot of you at Mountain Park. His name is Gerald Marvel. He's now with the Lord. But one of his famous sermons is about the bigness of God. And on social media, his grandson took excerpts from that message, put it to music and to some photography, and it's beautiful. It's so inspiring. It, it, just, it just sends goosebumps up and down my, my spine to listen to it. So I'm going to borrow from Gerald today. Um. And I'm going to join in with him and the prophet Isaiah and remind you about a God who is so big and who is in control. I want to have you turn with me or look on the screen to the 40th chapter of Isaiah. And before I read the verses of scripture, I want to give you a little backdrop. Israel at this time is about to be crushed by its enemies. It's feeling the pressure of the Assyrians who are savage warriors coming down from the north. The Egyptians, the once most powerful nation in the world, is pushing up from the south with their war machinery. And from the east is coming the Medes and the Persians and this upstart group called the Babylonians, which eventually take over the world. And this little sliver called Israel is being squeezed to the point of desperation, losing all hope, and the prophet Isaiah, who is among their, their, their ranks at this time, is losing hope with them. 
and he has to somehow gather within himself enough encouragement to give to them, not to, not to give up, but to see themselves as who they are in God, as the children of God, as the people of God. And so he gives these words in Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They're regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. To whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? Isaiah's sitting there trying to figure this all out. And he's going, I need to let these people know who God is. But how do I describe an infinite God to, to finite people and finite minds? Who do I compare him with? What can I liken him to? How can, how can they understand this God and yet recognize the immensity of his being and his power and his love and his grace? And so he uses these beautiful words. And he, and he takes them down this journey because what he wants them to know is, hey guys, no matter the circumstances, this God is the God who loves you, who redeemed you, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. This God wants to care for you. We still have a ton of hope because of who God is. He's bigger than our mountains. He's bigger than our circumstances. He's bigger than our situation. So in times like this, God says, don't forget me. I got this. I'm still in control. I'm sovereign. And so he uses some terms. They're anthropomorphic terms, actually, like the hand of God, the ear of God, the eyes of God, just to help us kind of catch a glimpse of this God that was, you know, the Bible tells us to worship in spirit and truth, but how do we do that? Well, here, here, help. Let this help you understand who he is. He says, I hold the waters, I hold the oceans in the hollow of my hand. I, I can measure, the, the King James Version says, I can measure the waters of this world in the hollow of my hand. Now, here's the hollow of my hand. I don't think I can hold much water. Ah, that's about it. Um, don't tell Lori. I can't hold a lot of water in the hollow of my hand. He holds the oceans in his hand. I mean, when you think of that, it is unbelievable. I mean, the earth is, is very large, 25,000 miles around. It's three quarters water and one quarter dry land. If it were not for the moon up above and the tides and the, the access circling of the, of the, um, of the earth itself, that three quarters of amount of water would consume the one quarter of dry land. But God has set it up that with the tides and with the gravitational pull, that, that we're okay. Every now and again, you get a storm off of, um, 
off the Atlantic Ocean, a hurricane coming in, and it is it is so it is so amazing that for for twenty four seven the news and the newspapers, all the media spends all their time because all of a sudden all this water is is coming upon the shore of where it doesn't belong. God says, I, I've got this. Not only do I have the waters, I have all the oceans. I have the Arctic Ocean. I have the Pacific Ocean. I have the Atlantic Ocean. I have the Indian Ocean. I have the Mediterranean Ocean. I have the English Channel. I have the Irish Ocean. I have all in, in, in the hollow of my hand. All the waters, the NIV says. You throw in the Columbia River and the Mississippi River and the Amazon River and the Salt River and your swimming pool water if you want. I hold it all right here. I'm a big God. I hold it in my hand. It reminds me of when we were we were younger, we used to sing that little song. He's got the whole world in his hands. You remember that? He's got you and me, brother. He's got you and me, sister. He's got the whole wide world in his hand. No matter the circumstances that we face, no matter the, the, the severity of what we deal with, he's got us in his hands. He's a big, big God. And then it says, he measured the heavens with his fingers. I love the King James Version when it says, I can mark off the heavens with a span. Now, a span is from a man's thumb to the, the tip of his little finger. The average hand, it's about nine inches. Now, I can I could measure off this table that's in front of me with a span. I could don't need a measuring tape or a ruler. I I go 9, 918, 24. It it's about 30 inches actually in width. Now what I cannot do, or at least I'm not willing to do, is if you want to know how far it is from Ahwatukee to San Diego, to get out on Highway 8 and to measure it off with my span. There's not enough flying J's in the world to keep me going doing that. God says, I, I measure the heavens with my span. The heavens. I mean, there's no greater expanse that we can even think of than the heavens, the universe. The only way we know to, to gauge and to measure the universe is through light years, the speed of light, how far it will travel at 186,000 miles per second for a year. That's a light year. If we were to measure the Milky Way, one of the galaxies, our galaxy, one of the smaller galaxies, mind you, if we were to measure from the extremity of the Milky Way and travel to the furthest extremity of the Milky Way at the speed of light, it would take 100 million years. And God says, I measure that with a span, with my fingers. He's a big God. He's a big God. And then he says, who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Who has held the dust of the earth in a, in a basket? I mean, you take, take all the dust, take the deserts, if you will. 
take the, the Sahara Desert, take the Mojave Desert, take the deserts of China and the deserts of Australia, the deserts of Spain, take the Sonoran Desert, take all the dirt you can think of, take the, take the dust under your bed, which by the way, is about 90% dead skin cells. So when the Bible says like, we're like dust, not far off. Take all the dirt and the dust and the deserts of the, of the world, and I, I, can, I can put it all in a basket, God says. That's how I measure it. I can take the mountains and, and put them on a scale and tell you how much they weigh. Take, take the Alps. Take the Rocky Mountains. Take the Cascades and the Sierra Nevadas. Take all the mountains of the world. Put them on a scale. I'll just tell you how, how much they weigh. That's, that's how big God is. He's huge. He's huge. Sometimes I'm wondering, you know, God, how do you, how do you have enough love and grace and goodness for, for me? Does it ever run out? How, how do you, how do you, all, you deal with my sin? How do you deal with my sin after sin after sin? The Bible says, you know, we're, we're sin about. His grace does more about. Why? Because he's so big. And he has so much love. And he has so much grace. And he has so much power. And just about the time you think, wow, that's an amazing thing. You go, let me, let me, you know, don't stop yet. Let me tell you about the nations that you're so frightened of. Let me tell you about your circumstances. Let me tell you about the impending doom that has you awake at nights. Wondering how you're going to make it. Let me tell you about the nations. He says, all the nations of the earth, all the nations that you fear, are like a drop in the bucket to God. In fact, a few sentences later, he says, not only are they nothing, they're less than nothing. The Babylonians, the Egyptians, the Assyrians, you'd go to the other side of the world to a little village in India you walked into the most insignificant village in the whole nation and there were thousands of others you went to an insignificant hut that had a family that lived there and in the morning perhaps the the mother would wake up and and she would pick up a bucket to do her daily duties to take and, and gather some water to bring back for the household to share that day. And she would walk on an insignificant path through that insignificant village to an insignificant village well and dip that bucket down into the water and to pull the water up and head back on that dusty path to her hut. And for some reason, maybe she would she would shake or, or bounce the the pail, the bucket off of her leg, and a little drop of water would find itself up on the very edge of the bucket and in a minute just drop off into that dusty, insignificant road. Now, how insignificant is that one drop of water on the other side of the world? It is so insignificant, it's not even worthy of the word insignificant. 
and all the powers of all the nations and all the world, God says, compared to me, is like a drop in the bucket. We go so concerned with all that's going on in, the, in our world and our politics. We've got an election coming up. We've, we've got to deal with this nation and that nation and this threat and that threat. And here's what I want you to know. In God's grand scheme to him, like a drop in the bucket, less than nothing. Why? He's God. He's sovereign. He's in control. He can turn the tide of any nation, including ours, at any moment. Take courage in that. And then as he, he closes that down and reminding us that there's nothing really that can compare to this, we're going, well, how, how can I get my mind around the, the almighty God that's described by Isaiah? And what does that mean for me? I can't even, I can't, I can't even come close to comprehending this. Here, here's, what, here's what he proceeds those words with in verse 11 before he starts to talk about how great God is. He says this, He, God, tends his flock like a shepherd. Some versions say he feeds his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. And he gently leads those that have young. He tends to them like a shepherd with his flock. He leads them like a shepherd would his flock. And he picks them up and carries them close to his heart. We have a big God, but a God who is not unmindful of who we are or what is going on. We have a God who feeds us, tends to us, leads us, cares for us, and holds us dear to his heart. I don't want to get my information, my, my brain, spirit, and soul food from the social media or from the news channels. I want to go to the Word of God that will be here long after all those are gone. And I want to hold on to it. How big is God? How big is your God? I don't know that I can comprehend His greatness. In fact, I'm not sure that we will ever plumb the depths of how big God is. And what it means to have him as our God. But this is what I do know. How big is God? He's big enough. He's big enough for you. He's big enough for us. He was big enough for Israel and Isaiah. He's big enough for Mountain Park. He's big enough for America. He's big enough for the world. He's bigger than the pandemic. He's bigger than our racial tensions. He's bigger than our political divisiveness. He's bigger than all that we face, all the threats. He's bigger than, than anything you can put your hand on, and he's got it right there in the hollow of his hand. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got you and me, sister, in his hands. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for loving us so much, this almighty God. You could treat us in so many crazy different ways, but you saw fit out of your love and goodness and grace to embody yourself in flesh and come to us 
as Jesus, your son. And there to take upon yourself all our sin, all our brokenness, all our cares, all our worries, and take them to the cross and redeem them with the promise that not only do you work for our good on this earth and that you're about redeeming them, but that for eternity, for eternity, we will live with you. You are our shepherd who holds us in your arms close to your heart. That heart is Jesus. Today, we worship you. We seek you. We recognize you. And we pray these things in the strong name, the heart of God, in the name of Jesus.